Lindsay. Movie! We are going to do a very special, unique, live Moby Pod for this episode. And it's based on an idea that you had. That you, you came to me a few weeks ago and you said you wanted to do a Moby Pod episode based around people's ideas of what space aliens might be. And also possibly reaching out to space aliens and asking them to not blow us up. That was my main goal, really, is to appeal to the aliens, you know, give us a chance, and maybe we can do better as a as a species. Because, you know, in At their, present, we're not doing very well. We're not doing a great job now, but we might do a better job later. I have hope for us. And I just wanted to relay that to them. But also, we really wanted to have vegan pizza and cupcakes and have our friends dress up in outer space outfits. So we had a live alien experience. And we played a bunch of songs. We took some of my songs that are space alien themed. And also you wrote a song about alien, like reaching out to aliens and asking them not to blow us up. It's a party song where we beg for our lives. And I have a special surprise that I would like to reveal to you and to everyone else at the end of the episode. Okay. I don't want to say what it is. Come on, come on. Let's wait until the end of the episode. So in the meantime, let's go to Laura and Darren's house and go up on their big, beautiful deck and look at Los Angeles and look at all our friends dressed up like space aliens and spend the next hour or so trying to figure out who and what aliens are and asking them not to blow us up. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Moby. So this is perfect timing. Just as we've decided to start recording, the people across the street have broken out their leaf blower because it's Friday evening. And what better way to spend a Friday evening than playing with your leaf blower? I have so many questions for these people. Yeah. Like, why now? And also, thank you guys for coming. We're here for our second live Moby Pod. The first one was a few months ago, and this one has a very special theme, which is space aliens and clearly, as you can hear in the background, leaf blowers. My opinion is that aliens would not love that. Um, so I don't know if you guys know this or if you watch news, which you shouldn't because it's bad. But if you do, you probably saw that recently there were some congressional hearings in which they were like, yes, aliens are real. And yes, we should probably figure out how to report the fact that they're real because it's becoming a security threat because our planes are running into them and things are happening and there's no reporting system for them because we're just acting like it's not real and it is real. So that got us thinking, so if aliens are real, we should probably be pleading for our lives a little bit more (laughs) because we've been kind of shitty to ourselves and it probably doesn't look good. So this is half PR campaign for humans and half just begging to not be killed. I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm, Maybe a world without people wouldn't be the worst thing. So, okay. so okay. So maybe, I, maybe as the sort of quasi alien representative, Lindsay, you can convince me why my people, my alien brethren and sistren and non-gendered aliens, should choose to not wipe out humanity. Well, I don't know if I could do that in this moment because I think there's a lot to defend because humans have been kind of shitty in general. But we do have a song that we're going to play for you later that hopefully starts that conversation in at least a partially meaningful way. Can I also just quickly say for the sake of audio and video where we are uh, and who we are with? We are with our friends, uh, many of whom decided to dress up 
in the theme of space aliens. And Lindsay and I also dressed up inspired by space aliens. And you might be looking at me thinking, well, he's just wearing a black suit with a white shirt and a black tie, similar to Men in Black. But here's something a lot of people might not know. The story of Men in Black goes back to the 40s. So there was a conspiracy that the movie was based on for years that aliens had infiltrated the CIA and that aliens would put on these human earth clothes and go to visit people who'd had alien encounters and wipe their memories and convince them that they hadn't had alien encounters. So I'm representing that conspiracy theory, Men in Black, rather than the contemporary movies with Will Smith. Is he canceled? Well, I think he made some bad decisions and he's trying to right his wrong somehow. Which aliens. is the worst he decision, Scientology or punching Chris Rock? Oh, the Chris Rock thing, yeah, I, I, I boy, don't think I anyone likes that. I just say the wrong words all the time. So, <laughs> so thank you guys for coming. Also, we're here at our friends Laura and Darren's house. And later, we're going to talk to Laura because Laura was in some ways a little bit of the inspiration for this because she is the most space alien obsessed person I know. <laughs> Like whenever I'm reading the news, I find an article on space aliens or something to do with Roswell and I send it to Laura and she's like polite, but she's like, yeah, yeah, we, we know. Um, like she knows everything about space aliens. So for 10 or 15 minutes later, we're going to talk to her and she is going to be our resident expert on space aliens. Uh, not to put any pressure on you, Laura. But also after we talk to Laura, we're going to see if anyone here maybe wants to come up and share any of their alien insights. But we also might have a couple of you that feel strongly come up and help us understand why why you think aliens haven't made contact. So just get to just And to what get aliens the, might be. And what they are, like what is an yeah. alien. But anyway, and, just And one to, last thing, just for the people who are watching, especially you can see behind us this huge expanse of Los Angeles and there's Griffith Park and this isn't necessarily alien related although sort of is when I first moved here I got asked to write about Los Angeles for Los Angeles magazine and I was like okay what could you possibly say about Los Angeles that hasn't been said a trillion trillion times and my first thought was every city almost every city has an iconic building like London has Big Ben, which is like parliament and tradition and stability. New York has the Empire State Building, which is like commerce and priapic thrusting into the sky. Rome has the Colosseum, which is like history and barbaric slaughter of Christians and things. And we have Griffith Observatory. It was the only city in the world that I could think of where the most iconic building is a building that barely functions that's designed to look at outer space. And so it just seemed appropriate that we would be sitting in front of Griffith Observatory to talk about aliens in outer space. Okay, what's next? <laughs> um, okay, so we all know about the congressional thing with the aliens. So just to sum it up for anyone that hasn't heard, because it's truly insane. And like when it was like hitting the news cycle, it wasn't the first thing that everyone was talking about. And I was like, I'm sorry, aliens are officially real and we're not, nobody's just like clamoring over trying to get more information. But anyway. So this guy comes out and he's like, yeah, I was in the Navy. I was a pilot in the Navy. And there are so many, they call them UAPs now, not UFOs, which are um, unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, 
There are so many that it became a regular part of their like pre-flight briefings was what to do and what the people before saw in their flights because everyone was seeing them every single time. The number of commercial pilots that people have found out haven't had a place to report the number of sightings. Like the longer these commercial pilots are working, they're racking up all of these sightings and have nowhere to report them because nobody's tracking them. It's becoming dangerous and there's no legal place where they can say, hey, can we get some notice when we're going to have to like dodge something or or do we have to dodge them or what is it? So anyway, that's crazy. But also they're misappropriating funding secretly and creating all of these funds to go out and find crashed UAPs, reconstruct them and take all of the non-human biologics to secret scientists. That's crazy, right? That I, yes, it's actually, and now I feel like ignorant because I wasn't aware of this. Like I, Laura sends me these articles. But Laura, <laughs> to be fair, you send me a lot of articles. Um, <laughs> if, insofar as it's true, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Well, the Pentagon has said, not true, but like, duh, of course they would. That's like their whole thing. Um, it's been obviously a massive part of like very real science for such a long time, which brings me to my next point. Have you ever heard of the Battle of Los Angeles? I saw the movie with that actor with the square jaw whose name no one remembers. There's a movie Casper called- Casper Van Dien. Not, not Cat, no, he's the star of Starship Troopers, the greatest movie ever made. It's a very good movie. But no, some other square jawed actor. Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, the, the Aaron somebody, I think. I think it was him, yeah. So Battle of Los Angeles, I don't remember it, but I remember it was a movie. Okay, this thing happened in February, 1942 which was right after Pearl Harbor and right after they like torpedoed some like oil rigs off of Santa Barbara. So like people in LA were very jittery. But so they started getting all of these reports of aircraft coming in off of the coast of Los Angeles by like Venice. And so everyone was like, what are these aircraft coming in? So they get all of these like anti-aircraft artillery ready all around Los Angeles and then they disappear and nobody sees them. Then they see a bunch of aircraft off of Long Beach This is at like 2.30 a.m., all of these aircrafts off of Long Beach. Then they disappear again, and then they see them directly over Santa Monica at like 3 a.m. When they see them over Santa Monica, they release 2,000 rounds of anti-aircraft artillery just into the air over Los Angeles. Like, people were crashing their cars, not knowing what was going on. Three people had heart attacks. Isn't that sad? They were so scared. What's happening? I probably would, too. But anyway, they try to say, oh, it was a weather balloon. We got confused. So now all these people are like, there was this massive, like, a war, an alien war in 1942 that nobody's talking about. I think that's a problem. By the way, I like that you are an inch away from being an unhinged person on the corner of, like, Western and Hollywood. Like, screaming at people. Screaming at people as they come out of Ralph's. Like, did you know? It's like, lady, I'm just trying to, like, buy my methadone. But also now that I've been to a Ralph's very recently, it sounds like something I'm not fully above doing. So. One thing I wanted to talk about, Moby has been drawing this little alien character for like, how long, 30 years? I mean, I'm a very old person, so maybe even 40 years. Alien. I started drawing Moby. it when I, when I was like working on the Eisenhower campaign. Um, yeah. So you've been drawing this character for a long time and I feel like you've always really related to the extraterrestrials. And my question to you is, why? Well, a lot of it is childhood. You know, like many people here, like many people listening, I grew up in the sad, lifeless, depressing suburbs where everything was uninspiring and uninspired. 
and especially I also grew up very poor, so I looked for anything that was a better alternative to that. And this was the late 60s into the early 70s, and the future seemed fascinating. And the future was Star Trek. Like, I remember being four years old watching the original Star Trek with my grandparents around the same time the moon landing happened. I did not understand that one was fiction and one was news. I thought they were the same thing. I was like, oh, look, there's people on Star Trek have landed on the moon. (laughs) So this obsession with the clean, fascinating world of outer space. And and (laughs) then... And this sort of leads into a song I wanted to play. Then in the mid-70s, like a lot of other smart people with decent taste, I became obsessed with David Bowie. And my friends and I went to go see The Man Who Fell to Earth, which is not a great movie, but it's about a space alien who comes to Earth with the idea of finding, I think, water to bring back to his planet. But in the process, he succumbs to like Earth temptations. But it's about this pale, skinny space alien who lives on Earth. And something about that just really resonated with me. Hmm. And I do have a weird half-assed theory slash story slash idea that if you were an incredibly sophisticated alien race and you wanted to learn about humans, what if you sent perfectly manufactured humans to Earth and they fully believed that they were human. That's part of my thing. That's part of what I'm saying. Yes, 100%. Oh. So like they come here and they're like, they're, they're cyborgs, they're aliens, but they're perfectly engineered humans. So they don't know that they're aliens, but they're so curious and they go around and they are in a very unbiased way reporting back to the home planet. So at an early age, I sort of realized that's who I am. Uh, <laughs> so I became obsessed with David Bowie, space oddity, man who fell to earth. You want to hear a great little David Bowie aside Mm -hmm. for a good name drop because we were friends we were neighbors we toured together one day uh, I was at his house around Christmas and I was leaving to go back to my apartment and he said hold on and he ran down the hall and I've told this story a few times so I'm an old person just repeating myself but if you haven't heard it it bears repeating he ran down the hall and he came back and he handed me a black hat and he said this is the hat that I wore in Man Who Fell to Earth Merry Christmas So I thought I lost it because I was a bottomed out drug addict. I would invite tons of people back to my house at like five o'clock in the morning to like do drugs and be terrible. <laughs> and I would show people this hat and I lost it. And I assumed, that, took it? I assumed some crack addict that I had brought back to my house at 5 a.m. had stolen this hat. And then when I moved to L.A., I was unpacking and I found it at the bottom of a U-Haul box. Wow. So I still luckily have it. On the inside of the brim, it says, To Moby, Love David. Wow. Yeah, 2002. So I wrote a song inspired by that. Can we hear it? Sure. There's a sing-along chorus. Which and, you have the lyrics. And the, you guys have the lyrics. And one thing I will say for, we're going to do three songs that all have sing-along choruses. You do have the option to not sing along. But just FYI, that's kind of like admitting in public that you've given up on joy (laughs) and that you're incapable of true human connection and love. So that's no, that's your choice. Publicly, you can admit like, oh, I'm incapable of human emotions and joy by not singing along the chorus. Uh, So the chorus, maybe we should run through the chorus beforehand. Let's do it. Okay. This song is called Spiders. Spiders, inspired by David Bowie. Come, and so it's... I'll just speak the word. So it's, come back to us, spiders. 
come uncrush our hands. Let peace and beauty reign and bring us love again like you can. You'll get the hang of it. Yeah. And if you don't you'll sing, once and you'll be like, if you don't sing, I will be sad. Oh, insofar as I'm capable of human emotions, you dirty flesh bags. Okay, let me try it. You want me to like pull up those lyrics or something? No, I'll figure it out. Okay. By the way, Lauren Darren, I don't, we toured together. I'm interrupting myself. Do you know this song? And I don't remember if we played this or not, did we? I was so hung. Really? Okay. Who are you guys again? I was so, boy, yeah, that was, that was pre-sobriety and it was. Part you're playing now, I think you told me to play, you were playing the lower part and you're like, you play the higher part. I tried to not do it, but you made me do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, so you guys know, so you can sing along the chorus, hopefully. Okay. Sure. That was a terrible tour, wasn't it? It was great. Really? There was some drama, but it was really fun. Some drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, rock boy. Rock and roll. Um, it was very rock and roll in the worst possible sense of the word, yeah. <laughs> we just didn't know if someone there outside in heaven would hear us down here. We couldn't stand it here How all the people leave us longing For something out there <laughs> Why did you leave? And why won't you come To save us again? Chorus Come back to us spiders Come uncrush my hands Let peace and beauty reign And bring us love again Like you can You're not singing, Lynn. Come on, sing! Come back to us spiders Come on, crush my hands Let peace and beauty reign And bring us love again Like you can We just didn't know Someone out in heaven could hear us down here We couldn't stand it here How all the people leave us longing for something out there Oh, why did you leave? And why won't you come? Save us again Everybody Come back to us spiders Come uncrush my hands 
Let peace and beauty reign And bring us love again Like you can Come back to us spiders Come on, crush my hands Let peace and beauty reign And bring us love again Like you can This really has like church camp vibes. <laughs> I think that's Laura and Darren. So the last time, in fact, the only time I think I remember playing that song was when we were all on tour together. And once again, what a dysfunctional, remarkable rock and roll tour that was. Like sobriety is great. Sobriety doesn't make for great stories. Drunk touring. Why? Say one story. Stay the, say the craziest, weirdest. Laura, actually, Laura, we're going to invite Laura Don up here right now so maybe Laura comes and tells one of the most embarrassing stories that she doesn't want anyone um, to hear and then we'll put it on the internet well do you want to okay so so it has nothing to do with space aliens but it does have to do with CIA stuff me being a member of men in black and CIA Jason so you guys, here, had, you guys had left you guys had flown off somewhere and I was in Moscow DJing I'm gonna tell part of it in a way that is not too compromising and doesn't involve me getting polonium in my smoothie in the morning polonium, polonium being a poison so I was DJing drinking like crazy and then after my DJ set at this weird club ended up having a nice long conversation with one of Vladimir Putin's children and while we were talking, this woman came over and took a <laughs> bagel. Bagel, don't be jealous. It's okay. She got jealous. This woman came over and took off all her clothes and asked me to draw all over a naked body, at which point Putin's child was brought whisked away by security. And naked lady put on her clothes. We got into a limousine and had like all sorts of crazy police escorts driving through Moscow. She was doing the worst cocaine I've ever done in my entire life. And I was like, of course it's terrible. Cocaine comes from South America and we're in Russia. Like, it's like ordering sushi in Ohio. Like, it's going to be bad. And I had this wonderful moment. For some reason, she started singing Summertime by Billie Holiday. So here I am, like, in the back of this limo, police escort with this crazy person doing the worst cocaine I've ever done. And she's singing summertime with the thickest russian accent while doing rot gut cocaine so it's like summertime and the life goes so easy fish go jump cut go high God. and then later the story went on and on and it involved me at like seven o'clock in the morning sun coming up over red square i have like the french doors to my weird hotel suite and I'm looking out over Red Square out of my mind on liquor and drugs and I had, was getting on a plane to fly to the Ukraine in a couple hours. So again, sobriety is great, healthy, sustainable, wonderful, but boy, I don't have any stories. Well, we did go to that Crazy Ralph's today. We went to the Crazy Ralph's, yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty good story. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and remember, you were like, where's the ice? And the guy was like, aisle nine. And I, I take it back, sobriety is filled with great stories. <laughs> um, hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. 
Hi. Um, um, feel free to pull the microphone closer. You're you leaving have... out the part where you... So we're not going to talk about the SCX that you had on the tour. We're just going to leave. No, we're not going okay. to... I'm a reborn virgin. <laughs> I would like, just like to say, as one of only two women on the entire tour, I was impressed. So getting back <laughs> to wait, space wait, aliens... By, what? by the amount or by the restraint? I'll go three miles high. I was just impressed by what happens to men. I'm very uncomfortable. On a tour. Just, it's like Lord of the Flies on it, a tour yeah, bus. Yeah, it's like men that you thought you knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sort of spiral of degeneracy was impressive. And that's it's all like I'll the say. monster under the bed where it's like I'm imagining probably far worse things than actually happened. Oh, no, no. Um, so, Laura. Let's <laughs> uh, segue. Oh, boy. Okay. So. Moby has mentioned to me many times that you love aliens. You have a vast knowledge slash interest. Enthusiasm. In enthusiasm. I have a, a deep enthusiasm. I am not an expert, but, but I where am did, so, so how did, very enthusiastic. We about. talked about how my obsession with space and aliens started when I was like a little kid and like living in the sad suburbs, like obsessed with anything that was not sad and suburban. And I know that your upbringing, we both grew up very poor, but you grew up in Iowa. Does, yeah. Do you think this has anything to do with your interest in aliens? Uh, well, I can tell you that my interest began. Uh, my mother was fairly religious and made us go to church every Sunday and Bible school and Bible study and all that kind of stuff. My dad would never go. And uh, I don't know if my dad got this from a book or where he got it from, but when I would ask him why he wouldn't go to church, he would say, God makes me nervous when you get him indoors, which I thought was a great line. Uh, but then one day he came up to me and handed me a book, and I think I was probably 10 or 11. Chariots of the Gods. It was Chariots of the Gods. You've heard this story before. No, I, I haven't. Told, I'm just psychic. It was Chariots of the Gods. And he, he put it in front of me and he said, the reason I go to church is that I don't think I believe any of that, but this seems plausible. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is very interesting because my dad has like a ninth grade education. He's a working class guy. So I read this book and it blew my mind. Now, of course, this book has been heavily, you know, it's just, it's not... It's the idea that ancient astronauts came and sort of like seeded humanity is a very controversial idea that many have discounted as being true. However, it sort of blew my mind and I felt like Indiana Jones. I felt like I was researching something and finding something out and I just developed a lifelong obsession uh, with aliens and unidentified aerial phenomena. Also, I remember you told me you were very obsessed with the X-Files. Yes. We've known each other for a long time, and I remember at one point, maybe we were in a bar, this pre-sobriety, and you said that, like, uh-oh, more black helicopters. Uh, you told me that, that you loved me as a friend, and you loved so many things about our friendship, from playing chess to playing music, but the fact that I had had music in two episodes of The X-Files was really what solidified your love for me. <laughs> I think I said that it's what really impressed me. <laughs> Like all the things you've done. I mean, I was sort of joking, but uh, I was very much joking. You're impressive in many, many ways. But I, I was, <laughs> I was incredibly excited when I turned on an episode of The X Files for the first time and heard your music in it. It was pretty great. Two episodes, actually. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the one episode that Gillian Anderson directs is pretty much your entire music through the entire thing. Wow. A little bit of trivia for you. She did direct that yeah. episode. I did make Darren, who's now my husband of 23 years, go to Area 51 with me. On your honeymoon? 
something like that. And I did make him watch all of the X-Files in chronological order from beginning so Darren, to end. So Darren, will you come join us for just a second? Because I want your perspective. <laughs> Can Lynn's. I tell you the moment where I knew Darren and I were for forever? Why didn't Darren just sit here? Because I want to know Darren's perspective. Like, I'm lowering the bar here. Obviously, you and Laura have been together for a while. You're married. So Darren, from your <laughs> perspective, so the public from your perspective, no, where does Laura's obsession yeah. with and fascination with space aliens, what do you attribute it to? Laura literally grew up in a town called Pleasantville, Iowa, and we're in the middle of the cornfields, you know, in this flat, desolate part of the United States, and um, at night you look up and you see the stars. If you see a kind of what seems like an interstellar visitor coming by, odds are it might be real. One of my better choices in life as of late was inviting you to come up and speak. <laughs> I, said, I was like, of course. And I, what I'm also knowing is that in your mind, that interstellar visitor looks probably a lot like a centaur. Oh, yeah. Well, how did you know? <laughs> You've clearly um, made yep. one of the visits to the Mothercraft. Yeah. And so, so, Laura, after all your time researching aliens, being obsessed with aliens, and it's a question I want to ask the audience as well, what do you think aliens are? Like, are they aliens? Are they, like... I've been waiting my whole life for someone to ask me that question on a podcast. <laughs> a couple of things. One of the weird things about our lives is that, you know, we're filmmakers and activists and musicians, and we have run across a lot of crazy and interesting people. And, like aliens. And one of our friends actually produced, I think, the first series that was on the History Channel that broke this story that was in the New York Times about the UAF, about this whole secret. The one that Lindsay was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The most recent guy says there's mm-hmm. evidence. Yeah. He has heard <laughs> evidence of non-human biologics. He hasn't seen it with his own eyes, or at least he wouldn't say that. He said a bunch of things were classified, so maybe he has. But um, um, a lot of the people that have looked at this for a long time think that they are some sort of alien alien intelligence. There's one theory that it's us from the future, mm. which I find really interesting. That's my theory. Mm. The thing that I find the most interesting or the most compelling is there's tons of testimony that they have come back and actually messed with our nuclear program and that they stopped a nuclear war once, they've stopped our testing, they've done things like made it so we could not activate nuclear warheads. Hmm. There's evidence of them talking, actually connecting with people and saying that they're here because they are afraid of what we're going to do to ourselves with technology. I like those stories. So what, what are they? I mean, I hope that they're an advanced civilization that doesn't want us to destroy ourselves. Uh, it feels like if they did want to hurt us, they would have been able to do so pretty easily. Unless it's like, you know, that episode of The Twilight Zone where, like, we find out at the end they've just been fattening us up to eat us all. To serve mankind. Yeah, Yeah, to serve mankind. Anyway, that seems like the most logical explanation, right? It's a beautiful idea. If they wanted to hurt us, they would have. Perhaps they're just waiting for us to evolve a little more. Darren, do you have a theory? I do. Does it involve unicorns and centaurs? Those are a byproduct of (laughs) nature. I think, you know, if you've ever been to... um, to the, to the part of Mexico with the original, most ancient pyramids, you know, Chichen Itza. You and I have been there together, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's documented that a giant meteoric strike hit the earth in that exact spot, very close to the resort town of... Um, the, the most, Cancun? Cancun, yeah. yeah. And I think that that was like a seed that planted a, a kind of like a, a DNA uh, for you know, alien life um, that actually delivered the alien intelligence that then gave birth to these pyramids and to um, the astrological calendar of the Mayans. Hmm. And I think that they're waiting to rejoin. Do you really think this? Absolutely. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I love these theories. Would anyone in the audience like to share their theory about what they think? You have to come up and talk. Okay. Can you also tell, tell us your name? Yeah, my name's Ed, uh, Ed Holland. I'm also a bit of a UFO enthusiast, per se. I try not to subscribe to any particular uh, belief system with it because I find myself, my idea of it changes consistently. There's um, a famous ufologist called uh, Valet who is a French ufologist. He's uh, you know, multi-millionaire as well. He's done a lot of coding. He helped build the internet. Also, as I say, all this fantastic research in UFOs, even informing Steven Spielberg for... Um, uh, for for the Close Encounters. Close Encounters. And the, yeah, uh, because there's the French ufologist that Fran- Francois Truffaut played him. That's it. That's Valet. His theory is a control system, and he believes that there is some sort of control system in our reality that manipulates space and time, manipulates us through the ages to essentially lead us into essentially a narrative of whatever their own agenda is, whatever this control system is. I prefer to sit with that because I have a lot of suspicion with a lot of the stories that come out of recent years, government and the DOD especially, and even more so private aerospace contractors put a lot of misinformation out in the world. So it's very difficult to determine what is real and what is not out there in the UFO space, including what's been happening in the congressional hearings with Golsh and more. There's a lot of shady characters who've been pushing this narrative with just interesting pasts. I mean, one of them, Luis Elizondo, who's one of the main proponents of, of ufology and pushing more transparency with the government. You know, he was counter-intel. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, who are worked in intelligence. So it's very difficult to subscribe to any of those particular ideas. In terms of the varying ideas out there, if anything, if it was ET, I imagine it's as diverse as it is on this Earth. Like, you know, we're going to be getting, you know, maybe we've got ultra-terrestrials, things that have been on this planet for longer than we we know, or maybe there's ET visiting us or our future self, or even uh, interdimensional beings. I think, you know, there's endless possibilities of what these things can be. Um, But the thing that keeps me interested in all this, through all the misinformation, all the psyops, everything there, is the fact that this has gone on throughout the history of mankind. And we have the same stories regurgitated over time, just with different contexts. So, you know, for instance, something like Ezekiel's wheel, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Bible story, you know, you look at that, he's explaining a UFO. And all of these things, we've heard the same stories throughout history. It's not dependent on culture and cultural influences. There's very similar stories of, of craft, of these things visiting us, of the phenomenon, essentially, that, you know, crosses through time. And we see this, what's in front of us, as to the context of our time. So, you so, know, for Ezekiel. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I know, I feel like we just had, a, like, the master class. Master class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although... It is possible, again, with, with the wonderful world of UFOlogy, it's sort of like that fine line between like science and empirical data huh. and joining Lindsay on the corner of Western and Hollywood in front of Ralph's <laughs> yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And by, by the way, thank you for wearing, I mean, it, it's not that best. we're giving awards, but we are giving awards. You definitely win most informed UFOlogist wearing the absolute <laughs> best limited. costume if you feel inclined to inflate it later, by all means, it was pretty special. 
It's very good. We need to yeah. get pictures. Um, yeah, you're top of the leaderboard. <laughs> I just learned what a leaderboard is. I still don't really know what it is, actually. <laughs> um, Moby, what do you think aliens are? So from my perspective, and I'm not nearly, I haven't studied it nearly as much as Laura and you guys have, but I look at it very simply that there's so many creatures on this planet, the majority of whom are ants and beetles. And there's almost nothing on the planet that looks in any way like a human. Like even our closest relatives, like Bonobo's monkeys, don't really look like humans. Like only humans sort of look like humans. So the fact that on this planet, there's almost nothing that resembles humans. And that's with this gravity, with this atmosphere, with these food sources out in space. I just can't imagine anything that would resemble humans. And so I have to, what, sort of what Laura and what you were mentioning earlier is time travel. Because also think of what we know about humans 100,000 years ago. They were stockier and hairier with more prominent brows. And then think of like the classic representation of a space alien, like their eyes are bigger and they're generally hairless. So it seems like physiologically that makes sense in terms of evolution, that they are future humans who are coming back to research, possibly to Laura's point, to like save us from ourselves. Again, it could be anything. But that's my most, I think that's the most logical theory is that they are future humans who have figured out time travel. I love that. I hope that's true. I can't even imagine a hairy alien. <laughs> um, I can't even think of it. So, Lindsay, um, but can we play a song? Yeah, um, no, we should. Okay, so this is another song that Lauren, Darren, and I used to play nightly on tour. And it's a song that was written and inspired by both quantum mechanics and... Uh, celebrity culture in Los Angeles. But let's just focus on the quantum mechanics part. That's okay, great. Okay. Also, just a fun fact about this song <laughs> the video ties full circle because the closing shot of the video was shot in a Ralph's. <laughs> yeah. I know. It seems like everything circles back to sad methadone addicted Ralph's. I mean, it was really dire up in that Ralph's. Um, I couldn't believe it. But the video for this song, We're All Made of Stars, it features everybody like Sean Bean. I think I. I Kato Kalen, I remember. Kato Kalen, Gary Coleman, Tommy Lee. JC Chazé. Okay, so, so once again, big sing along chorus. You're welcome to not sing along, but boy, that would just be sad and what a missed opportunity because how many times you get the chance to sit with your friends and sing along and like look at space aliens and the beautiful night sky. So Lindsay, even you have to sing along. Great, I know, I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay. How fast is it? Mm. Growing in numbers Growing in speed I can't fight the future Can't fight what I see Ready? Yes, I'm ready Cause people, they come together People, they fall apart No one can stop us now we are all made of stars Efforts of lovers Left in my mind I sing to the reaches 
we'll see what we find Cause people they come together People they fall apart No one can stop us now Cause we are all made of stars So Darren, just to stop for a second in my mind, this was when you were going to play like a theremin solo. Yes. But then we found that out of respect for your neighbors, we were not going to amplify anything. And also, I don't even know if you play the theremin. But no. in my fantasy world, this is you playing. So could you come up and maybe lip sync a fair yeah. theremin solo? Just do the theremin action. You yeah, know. Just, you just, know how. Yeah. Acoustic theremin, mouth theremin. Okay, ready? Wait, are you going to make the theremin sounds? Yeah. Yeah, so ready, okay, Darren? the best theremin solo, best mouth theremin solo I've ever heard. Take us home, Darren. <laughs> okay, we're going to go down to the E minor. Okay. <laughs> Slowly rebuilding. That was beautiful. I feel it in me <laughs> Growing in numbers Growing in peace Because people they come together People they fall apart No one can stop us now Cause we are all made of stars Yeah, people, they come together People, they fall apart No one can stop us now we are all made of stars. Yeah. Wow. And by the way, fantastic. Um, Darren, thank you for joining us friends. on the mouth theremin. <laughs> what I might do is when we're mixing it, Bagel. is add a little like delay, a little modulation. To, so, um, okay, so what's on your list? Well, um, by the way, thank you guys so much for coming out for this. I know this is it's so lovely having all of these friendly, beautiful faces in front of us. We're usually just doing this in Moby's garage <laughs> yeah. ourselves by ourselves, which so is so much fun. I got to say, so we started this podcast about a year ago and we have interviewed the most diverse, remarkable array of people. And I know this might sound a little overly earnest, but we've come to find that the podcast space is really precious because like we sit down with people who either know or don't know and we have these conversations where it's like for 90 minutes you're talking and listening mm -hmm. we just went over to hunter biden's house and spent two hours talking with hunter like steve-o came on and talked about sobriety and spirituality we just had mayan bialik on who was just so impressive and wonderful it's one of the smartest people i know and then peter kalmus laura introduced or told me about peter kalmus this amazing climate activist who also works at nasa like so i know that there are a billion podcasts 
podcasts out there, but I've come to really have this sort of reverence for the world of podcasting, as strange as that might sound. Same, same. So I guess, is there anyone else here that has a valuable insight on, on what an alien is or could be? Stella, would you like to come up here? And also, Lindsay, I want to, and I want, Lindsay, I want to hear your take at some point too, but Stella, we want to hear your perspective. Stella is my access to Gen Z stuff. So hi, Stella. Welcome. Hi, hi Bagel. I have had this theory for, I want to say, two to three years or so. Okay. That when I think of an alien, I think of Vince Vaughn. And I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is, have you ever seen him or heard him speak in a way that isn't how he speaks in every single film. You know, he does sound sort of like in the movie Men in Black. He sort of talks like, I think it's Vincent D'Onofrio who plays the bug, like the the invading yeah. space alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Vince Vaughn does seem sort of vaguely related to that, both in like look, hairiness, and dialect. Like, I feel like I can't help but notice that from the films that I've seen of him when I was a kid, he looks the exact same to a point that alarms me considering that was... 20-some years ago, mm-hmm. and he hasn't aged. Maybe th- there's, like, one gray hair just to, like, put us at ease. So is your assumption that Vince Vaughn is an alien and the aliens live among us? I didn't necessarily believe that they were among us. <laughs> and I don't necessarily know if I believe how much I believe in them, but he makes me believe in them. Because you think he is an alien. Yeah. Or, or an, an alien who is occupying his skin suit. Like yeah, the way Vince Vaughn moves, he does kind of move like it's in very slightly... very mechanical. Very robotic, yeah. So, Stella, I both support your belief. I'm grateful <laughs> for it, and I ascribe to it as well. I also want to add that his posture is always weirdly perfect, and I think that that's... It's another yeah. check in the alien it's column. Just, it just okay. answers that. Okay. That's beautiful. Thank that's you. my question. No, I love that. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're completely on board. If so. I ever meet him, I'm just going to be very no, honest with him. That. I'm going to say that you said that, and I'm going to ask him if it's true. So you want to hear a little funny aside? Yes. A long time ago, my friend Paul and I realized that we we were trying to speak like Daffy Duck, and we realized that we couldn't speak like Daffy Duck, but when we tried, we sounded like aliens. Well, you don't have duck bills. You don't have duck bills. And I had this alien voice, and years ago I was in a bar in Ireland, and of course I was drunk, and I was talking to this woman, and she was like, you know, there's something about you that's always just seemed a little different. And I said, very matter of fact, I said, well, I'm a, I'm a space alien. And she was like, no, come on. And I was like, for some reason in my drunken state, I was like, I just wanted to be completely earnest. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a space alien. Like, I'm not human. I'm just pretending. And she was like waiting for the joke. And I leaned in and I said to her in my space alien voice, I'm not human. And the blood drained from her face and she almost screamed. Can you do it? My space alien voice is crazy. <laughs> So imagine you're in a bar. All right, Bagel's upset. I called Bagel Mosey. Imagine some, someone has just told you they're a space alien and they Do it lean. Again. Lindsay, I'm not human. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, hi, Bagel. I'm Bagel. I would have started crying. <laughs> Everyone's upset, Moby. <laughs> oh my god. We've been asking this question about what we think aliens are. We haven't asked you the question. Yes. So I have some thoughts about this. So there was this scientist in the 60s, and his last name was Drake. 
and he had this theory to figure out if there was life out in the universe. And he came up with this thing called the Drake equation. So it basically is like, okay, to figure it out, you have to figure out how many stars there are. And once you figure out how many stars there are, you have to figure out how many planets are around every star. And then you have to figure out how many planets in that star system are within a distance where life could live on that planet. And then if life can live on that planet, is it capable of intelligence? And if it's capable of intelligence, is it capable of technology? And if it's capable of technology, how long has it been capable of technology or how long might it might it have been able to um, be capable of technology? And from there, you can kind of figure out like what the likelihood is that there is life in the in the universe and i think he was just talking about like in the milky way alone much less all of the other galaxies so in his work and in other people's work they figured out the the likelihood that we're alone is and i have to read it the likelihood that humans are alone as a civilization in the universe is one in 10 billion trillion so, so the, unlikely no the likelihood that we are alone Meaning oh, totally. that it, it is highly likely that there is life in the universe to a point where it's almost impossible that there wouldn't be because of the number of planets within that range of a star. And every star M, M, has M class. M, okay, although is M class a scientific thing or is that just Star Trek? M dwarf is like a red dwarf star. And mm-hmm. most of the stars are red dwarf stars. But here's the thing about a red dwarf star. They're smaller and they're cooler so you would think, oh, probably like planets can be closer, and so life could be, there's this likelihood for life. However, they've recently discovered that while the red dwarf stars are cooler and smaller, they also have super wacky solar flares that might kill off atmosphere. So then that might change the number, actually. But here's another thing about red dwarf stars, is that they put off red light. So any planet that would be in this atmosphere, it would be incredibly dark and sulfuric. So any animal or like any Venus, like Venus, kind of. Well, actually, more like Mercury. They think something like Mercury. Okay. So anything that would live there probably wouldn't have much of a need for eyes because the way that they would evolve is in like low light, super weird chemicals. So you know, just something to consider. Um, so what do I think aliens are? I can't begin to imagine, but. I have to think that whatever they are, they probably have some awareness of us. And I have this like thought that they're probably just waiting for us to evolve to a point where they're like, okay, you can come hang out in our club now. And now we can send, we can like start interacting with you in a real way. But I'm sure if there are other planets that are like us, they're probably tracking all of like the evolution of every planet until they can join the fancy guys club. (laughs) And we're just not there yet. I mean, one theory that's interesting is carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. which is a byproduct of industrialism. There's a theory that, like, it changes the light emissions from a planet. So other alien races can see, like, oh, like, that planet has lit up now. Clearly they're industrialized, but then they wait for that to end, which either means they've wiped themselves out or they've evolved past the need to produce CO2. Whoa. So they're sort of watching. So that's the theory. They're like, they're holding back because, like, they know that in this pre-evolved state we're not ready for alien contact but then once we get to the evolved state we've either like we'll either wipe ourselves out or we'll be ready for alien contact can't wait for that today (laughs) um so so, (laughs) something else i wanted to talk about i know that there's been a lot of 
a lot of alien stuff in pop culture in addition to like the real stuff but I wanted to ask you if you have any favorite movies or songs about aliens oh absolutely but also I want to know like because everybody here might have a different idea okay best song about space aliens and if you yell it out I will repeat it because obviously you guys don't have microphones because I have my idea what the best song about space aliens is um, the one that the Carpenters did the cover that of? The Carpenters did the cover of Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> solid. That's top three, yeah. solid. Not even a great song, but the title is phenomenal. By Klaatu. Klaatu. I think Klaatu wrote it originally, yeah. yeah. So, like, whatever led Karen Carpenter to cover a Klaatu song about space aliens, that's definitely top three. What else do you guys think? Space Oddity, definitely top five. Ooh, Beyonce, Alien one. Superstar, nice one, Sam. What about you, Moby? Well, I'm, I, w- I want to get there. I'm, okay, I mean, okay, I, okay. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to what the audience thinks. Rocket Man's a pretty good one. Yeah, the answer to Space Oddity. Um, Christian, you must have one. Tatiana, come on. Tatiana, you're an A&R person. Thus spoke Zarathustra. Thus spoke Zarathustra, okay. Wow, nice. By Diodata. Deep cut. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, the one I'm going to go with. That was hot. When I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Darren's like, Laura, can we marry them? Is there a- <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go with Come Sail Away by Styx. Is that an alien song? I so always thought here's that was like why a, it's- a pirate song. Yes. It starts off. It starts off as not an alien song. You're just like thinking it's a pirate song or something. That was but then my in the assumption. end, all of a sudden, as Laura just sang, we climbed aboard their starship and headed to the skies, and they said, "Come sail away." But the fact that it's an alien song, that like for the first four minutes you don't know it's an alien song, and you're in your grandmother's kitchen listening to AM radio, and you're like, "Oh, this is a nice song." And then all of a sudden, it's aliens, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, Dennis, yeah. Dennis D. Young just Neil blew Young, my mind. The Neil, what's the Neil Young song? <laughs> which, uh, oh, the, um, I think that's After the Gold Rush. Yeah, uh, yes. It's yeah. like, even though it's nothing to do with the Gold Rush. by like three famous country women singers, Yeah. and it made it seem all the more surreal. And it, yeah. and it reminded me that the lyrics are about yeah, after the gold rush. taking people away. Although they, the, thing, the only problem with After the Gold Rush is they fly to the sun which, practically speaking, might not work out too well. So, Linz, do you have a favorite Space Alien song? <laughs> I, I feel like you guys have named all the ones that I know of. Okay. And I, if there's other ones, I don't, I just don't, I, I'm not knowing about them. Okay. Are you going to play a bit <laughs> well, of one? Well, it seems like a good segue, because Lindsay wrote a Space Alien song. Well, Moby and I wrote it together. You wrote the words, <laughs> so that's technically you wrote it. But you're going to sing it, right? We're all going to sing it. Everyone ready to sing? Okay. So, do you... The, the verses are pretty complicated, so just a little qualifier here. This was written a couple days ago by Lindsay, and we were supposed to rehearse it, but instead we were buying ice at Ralph's. So if it's <laughs> terrible, blame Ralph's for everything <laughs> terrible in the world. That should be their, that should be their ad slogan, like, is, is something wrong in your life? Blame Ralph's. I know it looks bad, what we humans have done. We kill our sweet creatures and eat them on buns. We poison our planet for the sake of ease. This place we inhabit, we are the disease. Well, they say you're real smart and you're free to assess, but please have a heart and don't blow us up yet. 
Cause we made paintings and statues and prayers and songs Rhythm in tap shoes and artistic bongs Just ignore the murder and hatred and bombs We could do it right but like doing it wrong But oh Please don't kill us all We know that we are the worst but we're just scared and angry and small No Please don't kill us all We know where your lasers are focused But we're sure you'll make the right call So uh, it must be disturbing way out in outer space these idiot humans aren't learning, but don't seal our fate. We treat the planet like a toxic waste dump. We're lazy and crazy, we're jealous and dumb. But we made paintings and statues and prayers and song. Rhythm in tap shoes and artistic bongs. Don't focus on murder and hatred and bombs. We're just a little planet, we might right our wrongs. One, two, three, four, but oh, please don't kill us all. We know that we are the worst, but we're just scared and angry and small. Oh, please don't kill us all. We know where your lasers are focused, but we're sure you'll make the right call. Lindsay, I have a question for you. Yes, yes, ask away. I have a few questions. One. No, go for it. Is that the end of the song? Well, it could be if we wanted to, or we could just keep singing that over and over again. Okay, let's, before we get back to singing that over again. Do um, you want to change the lyrics? No, what inspired you to write this song? I don't want the, a the aliens to kill us. But humans are terrible. Maybe they should. Benignly, I'm not saying like they should harm us. I'm just saying like Thanto, Ther who's that Theranos? Thanos. No, that's the woman who invented the fake thing <laughs> oh, at CBS. Yeah, that's a different thing. Who's the guy? The 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 guy with the the, the fancy Thanos. ring? Thanos. Ther Theron. And the the Thanos. Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> okay, so like, am I Thanos? the only person who's rooting for him? Yes. Okay. Never mind. I take that back. Uh, no, I believe that we are we are not doing maybe the best job now, but maybe we will later. And I have faith that humans will um, get their shit together. Okay. Now, may I also mention that I think this might be the longest break in between choruses that has ever existed in a it song. Might be. Like as far as like a breakdown, this is pretty good. Right? Like, it's like a six-minute breakdown. Should we sing the chorus two more times? One, two, three, four. But oh, please don't kill us all. We know that we are the worst. We're scared and angry and small. Oh, please don't kill us all. We know where your lasers are focused. But, but we're, we're sure, sure you'll, you'll make, make the right call. call. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Ding, ding, thanks ding, for humoring ding, us. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, there's a great quote from Arthur C. Clarke. I don't know if you guys have ever read any of him. Arthur C. Clarke, by the way, just a little aside, 
not only did he write 2001, he also invented the communication satellite. So he wasn't just like an author dilettante. No. Like he invented the communication satellite. Well, he okay. said two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. So I just think that, you know, as much as I love aliens and I do, and I love pondering these ideas, I do have to think sometimes that certainly my desire for it to be true is that I hate the idea that we're just alone here on this planet in this vast, vast expanse of space. And although I will argue that probability decrees that there probably is some kind of biological or some sort of life out there, right, just by sheer numbers because we're such a gigantic, gigantic amount of planets out there, and they have figured out at least hundreds of them have a livable atmosphere, so we know that. But on the other hand, what if we just don't like the idea that our lives are, um, are confined to here, and sort does that make the, us feel meaningless? Sort of the existential subtext. Yes, you the, uh, thank you, that was nicely put. Well, the, like the, you know, the fact that humans are alive for a couple of decades on a planet that's five billion years old in one galaxy that is vast beyond our imagining and it's one of a trillion galaxies and that's just observable matter that's right you know 60% of the universe is dark matter which shouldn't even be called anything they don't know what it is just saying like the mass of the universe is hidden from us and it's 15 billion years old assuming linear time so of course it's the biggest challenge and threat to us is like trying to like think that there's meaning and significance to our lives when we're around for a couple of decades. But one of the most fascinating things is there's only one guarantee in life is that we will die. And so the only guarantee in life is the one thing we know nothing about. But I think something like 90% of our DNA is shared with our common primate ancestor, right? Through a, through a common primate ancestor, we share 90% of DNA. I think the bonobos, they're the ones who are cl- we're most closely yeah, related that's a to. brown number, right? Yeah. But yet we have consciousness. I mean, the one argument I would say for humanity, despite all of our well-cataloged flaws, is that we're conscious, we're experiencing consciousness, and what a wild and crazy gift that is. And it would be kind of sad if that were snuffed out in its entirety. I wish we could evolve to a higher state so we don't also ruin the place where we live and experience this consciousness. And also what a bummer it would be, like, we're just on the verge of being great. Like, we're, like, mapping the genome, and we're starting to understand the nature of quantum phenomena, and, like, we're on the verge of, like, all these amazing discoveries, and, like, what if we snuff ourselves out by, like, burning oil and eating hamburgers? It's, like, suddenly, like, well, you could explore the universe, and you could transcend time and space, but NASCAR and hot dogs is going to do us in. Yeah. So, on that note... Yeah, so on that note, aliens get here soon. Yeah. (laughs) And I have to say, as a, represent, as a representative of the aliens, this has been a test. And at the beginning, I was a little on the fence, like maybe the humans should be wiped out, but we have had such a delightful time with our vegan pizza and our vegan cupcakes and singing wonderful songs as written by Lindsay. I'm sending a message back to my, my alien brethren and sistren and non-gendered aliens saying, like, maybe we'll give the humans a chance for a little while longer. Wow, Moby, I never thought I would hear you say that. This is really good. We've experienced I might feel differently. Like, we still, we still have to drive home. If traffic is bad, I might change my mind. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> or if we ever have to go to that Ralph's again. Um, anyway, thanks, guys. Thank you all so much. For being here. <laughs>
Okay, so we're back in the mothership. Yes, we were abducted up into the ship, and this is coming to you direct from the the human holding tank. The space tic-tac. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're back here. We've had our trip to Lauren Darren's deck. We had vegan space pizza and vegan space cupcakes. Our friends really made an effort. Like some people, like Christy and her boyfriend, I mean, they had prosthetics. Prosthetic ears. It was amazing. Also, there were some really shiny astronaut suits. There was some there was some really good work happening. And the the songs. So there was spiders. There's We Are All Made of Stars. And then the new song, which I assume is called Please Don't Kill Us All. Yeah. Please Don't Kill Us All feels like it sums it right on up. And I found that song to be such an earworm. Like that night, I just couldn't get the chorus out of my head. And so I went into my studio and I took some of the vocals from that from the night, built a very fancy orchestral version of the song that I'd like to play for you. Okay, this is amazing. So it's got pizzicato strings, it's got horns and big orchestra parts and crazy percussion and all sorts of things. So were you inspired to use the pizzicato because of all the pizza we ate? Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. My organs kind of just shut down for a second. That was good. That was really good. But I'm also sweating with discomfort. And the last thing I want to say is for for everyone listening, if you have theories about what space aliens might be, please send them in. Please share. It would make our day. Because my theory is they're time travelers or insects. Something tardic, like the tardic, we didn't talk about tardigrades, how like tardigrades can live in outer space or they can survive in outer space. So like there's a good chance something tardigrade related might be a representative of space aliens. I also think that like octopi are not of this planet. They are so magical, so Mm -hmm. smart, so cool. And there's nothing else like them, even remotely, maybe squids. But anyway, I think that they might be originally from outer space. What if the Earth is like a repository, like a sanctuary for all of these extraterrestrial creatures? Like, let's say like a billion years ago, some spacefaring race went around the galaxy and collected up creatures, maybe who were, whose habitats were on the verge of being destroyed, and they brought them here. Wow. So like Earth is like the Australia of the Milky Way. Like it's an animal sanctuary for the creatures who are being displaced on their own home planet. Like maybe that, that might explain explain just the strange diversity and disparity of creatures here. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess we figured it out. So please send in your thoughts about what you think space aliens might be. And now can I play you my late night insomnia, big orchestral version of Please Don't Kill Us All? Yeah, let's do it. Should we say thanks really quick? And so we can leave people with a nice little song for their day. That sounds great. Okay. Just want to say quick thank you to Mike Formansky for shooting the episode. Thanks to Jonathan Nesvadova for recording and editing the episode. And thanks to all of our friends who came out and dressed up and sang along and laughed along. And thanks, to along. Laura, thanks to Laura and Darren for letting us have our vegan pizza cupcake alien party on their big deck. Um, and let's listen to the song. Oh, and thanks for human, con- thanks oh, yeah, to human and content. Thanks to human content for, for putting this out. Yeah. Okay. And now here is Please Don't Kill Us All fleshed out in a nice vegan way, in a nice space alien vegan way. But I hope you especially like the pizzicato strings because of all the things I added to the song, that's what I was most pleased with. Pizzicato.
I know it looks bad what we humans have done We kill our sweet creatures and eat them on buns We poison our planet for the sake of ease This place we inhabit, we are the disease They say you're real smart, you're free to assess But please have a heart and don't blow us up yet Cause we made paintings and statues and prayers and songs Rhythm and tap shoes and artistic bongs Just ignore the murder, hatred and bombs We could do it right but like doing it wrong Disturbing way out and out of space These humans aren't learning but don't seal our fate We treat the planet like a toxic waste dump We're lazy and crazy, we're jealous and dumb But we made paintings and statues and prayers and songs Rhythm and tap shoes and artistic bongs Just ignore the murder, hatred and bombs We could do it right but like doing it wrong Right call. But oh. 